Hello everyone, welcome. It's podcast 210 and the question today is how do you face opposition? How do you deal with something that feels beyond your capabilities in some way? It's one of the first teachings of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Before we hear about any healings or any miracles or the calling of the disciples, it's like, you know, this is important. Do you know how to deal with opposition? Do you know how to deal with things that feel beyond you? You know, there's a, there's a theme of what we call desert experiences in the Bible. And a desert experience, as it sounds, is, as the name implies, a desert experience is not easy because the desert is, is dry and hot and hostile, right? It's a difficult place to survive. And uh, so in the desert, uh, all sorts of things happen. So if you're feeling like you're in a desert, in other words, if you are, if, you're, if you sense that life is a struggle, actually more than a struggle. You sense that you're up against something that threatens you in some way. This is going to be a great uh, text for you because this is exactly what this passage addresses. It's, yeah, it's about being tested. And, uh, you know, and any time we're tested by life, we don't get tested by God. God already knows what we're made of but I think what can happen is is that life can test us and we see what we're made of you know are we strong are we weak are we a mix probably a mix right but you know this whole idea of of being in the desert and being in a dry barren place of struggle it's funny how there seems to be seasons and times for this. I mean, overall, you know, I think most of us overall, um, this is generalizing, you know, life seems to be pretty manageable and somehow things work out with God's help, of course. But then something happens. Then this desert experience comes along. And yeah, you've had struggles before, but this is different. This is different. It might be menacing, it might be frightening, it might be intimidating. It's sort of a new territory. It might feel particularly vulnerable. This is the desert experience. And I think it's common to people. Um, I don't know if everyone recognizes when they're in a desert experience or a bit a, a time in the desert, but I think it's common um, at any age. And like I said, so surprising that it's the first teaching that all three of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all three of the gospel writers, that gospel good news, that's what they start with. That's what they want to tell us. It's like before I tell you what Jesus taught, before, about, before I tell you about his calling of the disciples and the way he interacted with people and the healing presence that he had, I want you to know how he dealt with opposition so you'll know what helps you when you're under fire. Yeah, I think that's why 
Maybe all three of them decided to start off with this incident. And by the way, when I'm speaking about desert experiences and opposition, opposition isn't necessarily restricted to people. We can be unfortunate enough to have people in our lives that oppose us. I think anyone who's ever been bullied by anyone at any time knows what it's like to be opposed, right? So that's not unusual for people, for kids. Uh, people are bullied by bosses. They're bullied by family members. They're bullied by siblings, uh, spouses. Yeah, that's a common thing. So when we think about opposition, we tend to think of, of it as, well, it's a person. And it may be. It may be, but not necessarily. It's anything that is somewhat overwhelming. It might be the ending of a difficult relationship. It might be grief. You might be in the desert of worry. You might have a health issue. You might not know what to do and not know how to move forward. Really, the desert experiences is any time that you feel under threat in some way. And it was Jesus' first challenge after he commits himself to follow. And I think we spoke about his baptism a couple weeks ago. That was really where it all started because that's when he began his outreach and that's when he starts to gather his students around him. But before he begins anything, we have this story about Jesus and his encounter with the Satan. And that word Satan means the opposer. Commonly known, sometimes known, more commonly known as the devil. And uh, the Satan means uh, you know, an adversary of some sort, an opponent of some sort. Now, as soon as you read these words about Jesus being in the desert, being tempted by the devil, all, all sorts of image, images might come into your mind. Um, not necessarily helpful because they are, um, our memories have, of the devil have been informed by art. And uh, nothing wrong with that, right? But it's the artist's imagination. The scripture is silent on descriptions. There's no description. All we have is a sense in the New Testament that there is a destructive presence present in this world that seeks to undermine and destroy goodness. Um, so, you know, St. Paul wrote about it a lot. You know, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a sense that, um, yeah, there's the normal struggle of life. And uh, then there's the normal struggles with ourselves, all the ego hassles that we get into. And then sometimes we can't help but wonder if there's something even uh, greater than that 
And this is, I think, we're in the realm of this opposition. And all three writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all want to begin their, their writings this way, their gospels this way. Um, all of them. So it's just, that's just interesting that they all think that it's important enough to get up front, right out there. And what's fascinating is, we can conclude this anyway, that Jesus spoke about this desert time. Jesus must have told his students about this because he's the only one who was there who witnessed it and knew what was happening, right? Where did Matthew, Mark, and Luke get that information? Well, he must have passed on. Jesus must have told them what happened, what it was like, and I think it's a whole part of this whole idea. Now, listen up. This has been my experience. This is what happened to me more than once. And it's going to happen to you too. So let me show you. Let me show you how to, to navigate this kind of time. Because you're human and it's going to come to you. So let's look at the passage here. I'm looking at Mark. It's a really short uh, passage. Also, I'm taking a little bit out of Matthew's. But the first thing that the passage says is, is that the Spirit, that is God, drove him, that is Jesus, into the desert where he was tempted by the Satan for 40 days. Now, there's an awful lot in that. We could have a look at the 40 days and compare it to ancient Israel and the Exodus. Uh, but that's going to take us, it's going to take us too long if we break it down at this level. So let's just say this. Here's what's interesting. The Spirit, God drove him into the desert. Now it's like, well, why would God, why would God drive Jesus into the desert, into this difficult experience for 40 days. Why would God do that? Well, here's, here's a thought for you. First of all, God is fine with this happening, right? Jesus, Heavenly Father, is perfectly fine with this happening. The word uh, where he's tempted for 40 days, that word in the original Greek is testing, Perazzo, it just means to test. So when we think about temptation, we often think about it being tempted to do something wrong. But that's not the meaning of the, the word in the, in the ancient languages. It simply means uh, to test, to try to see whether something uh, can be done or not. So when Jesus is driven into the desert for this test, it's like, okay, let's see what you're made of. Let's see how you can withstand this. That's sort of the test. And again, you know, it's God who's driving men to the wilderness and God already knows all things. So this doesn't reveal anything to God. Uh, tests don't show God anything. Tests show us something about ourselves. If we go through a testing time, uh, it's not like God's looking at you saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe she's just collapsed. I am so surprised that she's not coping well during this time, right? That doesn't make any sense. God put you together. However, if you're going through a testing time, 
or a desert experience, afterward, probably not during the time, but afterward, it's probably going to show you quite a bit about yourself. You're going to see, you're going to know yourself more, aren't you? So God's not surprised by any results. This isn't for God's benefit. Um, So here's the test. Jesus is in the desert and he's fasting and he's praying and he's hungry and he's in the desert a long, long time. So he's at a point of weakness and the Satan appears or we think the Satan appears. We don't even know if the Satan appears actually. The Satan's there and says, if you're the son of God, why not do a miracle and turn these stones to bread? Now, he's just been baptized. If you were to read the chapter before this, he's just been baptized. It was a highlight. The heavens opened up. The spirit fell, the voice from the cloud, the voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved one. So we've just heard God's voice say, you are my son, you are my beloved. And then the Satan comes along and says, well, if you are the beloved, then how come you're in this mess? You're hungry, you're tired. Why not do a miracle and get yourself out of this mess if you truly are the beloved? So the test is all about his identity. He's just been told that he's loved. He's the beloved son. And the Satan comes along and says, are you? Are you sure? So just in that one simple sentence, his identity is tested, his cause tested, his purpose. Now let me just quickly move to application here. Because this is where we can enter into the story. I mean, there's a reason that Jesus passed this experience on, and I think it's because he knew that we would experience something relatively similar. Have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever wondered if you're on track? Have you ever wondered if you're enough? Have you ever felt a bit weak or inadequate or insufficient? Yeah, probably you have, right? The Satan picked a time when Jesus was in a weakened state. It's just worth noting, because that's often when we're going to experience this. And the first thing the Satan does is say, if you're the beloved, if you are really loved by God, why would this be happening to you? That's how it sounds to us nowadays. If God really cared, if you were really cared for by God, why would you have to be going through all this struggle at this time? Yeah. When have, you, have you ever, ever experienced that? Why would you be out here in this desolate, miserable place Why would you be hungry and tired and discouraged and alone and struggling? Why are you going through all of this? Not everyone's going through this. How come you're going through this? 
Is it because basically God doesn't really care? Is that why it's happening to you? There's the temptation, there's the test. That's the big test that every one of us will go through this test. Because what's implied in the test is, if you were really loved, you wouldn't be going through this. And you can fill in the blank whatever this is. But that's the test that people will experience more than once. If God truly cared about you, you would not be in the circumstance that you are in today. That's the test. If you were truly loved, you wouldn't be wanting in this way. If you were truly loved, if God truly cared, you wouldn't be needy in this way. It just doesn't make sense. That's the test. That's the test. Your circumstances define you. It's a, it's a common, common test and a common trip up for people. Your circumstances define you. If you're in the desert and life isn't easy, it's your fault. That's the lie. That's the lie that the Satan tells us. Because the Satan's saying, because if you were truly cared for, you wouldn't be going through this. Now, if Jesus had believed that lie, he would have failed the test. But he didn't believe the lie. And he didn't turn the stones to bread either. Because basically what he said was, no, no, no. I'm trusting my heavenly father. No matter what happens to me in this desert, I am not turning these stones into bread. Now, you and I don't have capacity to turn stones into bread, but that's basically all about just taking life and your own power into your own hands and going solo, kind of like Adam and Eve who failed the test, by the way, right? So it's the same thing. It's, it's about, will you trust in the desert? Will you trust when your circumstances are not what you want them to be? Or will you cave in and just go solo and say, what's the point? God doesn't care. What's the point? I'm in this by myself. Yeah, see, Jesus is like, no, 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 no I'm, no, I'm not taking my power into my own hands. Because what my heavenly father says to me is more real to me than my circumstances. I am not defined by my circumstances. I know I am the beloved. That's who I am. That's what defines me not my circumstances that threaten to pull me down. You see how powerful that is? You know, when we get stuck in a bad place or an unwelcome place or a miserable place in life, for whatever reason, when we allow our circumstances to dictate to us, that's going to bring us down. We're going to question everything. And Jesus is modeling 
the opposite for us here. Right at the beginning of his, of his ministry, really, right at the beginning, he's saying, you've got to get this in order. This is the first test, and it's going to come frequently because you're human, and it will happen a lot. You have to get to the point where you recognize you're in a test. And your circumstances do not define you. They tell you nothing. Because God's word is what we are, we're placing our hope and our life in God's word, basically. I mean, that's, we're not basing our hope in our experiences. We're not basing our hope in our circumstances. We're not basing our hope on what life has given us or not given us. This is what trust is. This is what faith is. We're, um, everything, I'm holding on to the promise of God. And God says, I am loved. So no matter what's going on around me, that will never change in life, in suffering, in death. It doesn't matter. It's always the same. That's the promise. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry that we hold on to when we're in this desert. When we're in the desert experience, we keep reminding ourselves that. We keep telling ourselves that over and over and over again until it eventually gets through. I am loved by God and nothing changes that. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Thank you for joining me.